Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Off the Bar with Rob and Joey. I'm Joey. And this is Rob. Holy shit, we got some shit to talk about with the Flyers. Oh my god, my team is in shambles. Yeah. Or I don't know, it could be a good thing. But as most of you probably know, Ron Hextall has been relieved of his duties as the Flyers' general manager, which is something I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, I certainly didn't see it coming. And, I mean, first of all, I want to thank Ron Hextall for everything that he did, you know. He was definitely a breath of fresh air for a Flyers organization who didn't have too many guys like him that wanted to build from within. The Flyers were pretty much constantly in win-now mode every year, regardless of whether or not they should have been or not. So, you know, it's definitely refreshing and, you know, having someone with a plan to make us better in the long term was definitely a good thing and something that we needed. So, you know, but it is it is tough. It's definitely not what I expected. Um, I don't know if it's what anybody wanted. I personally am not mad at it. Um the rumors are that, you know, obviously he wasn't willing to be more aggressive with, you know, getting the team to success. And the initial rumor was that he wasn't willing to fire Dave Hextel, but I don't think I not that it wasn't an issue between Hextall and upper management, but at the same time Dave Hextel still has a job. Um so I didn't think that was all of it, although at the same time, during their press release or whatever, Paul Holmgren and Dave Scott, they brought up, you know, that the next GM would have control over, you know, the head coach and whether or not the rest of the coaching staff stayed, and Joel Quenville's name came up. So I wouldn't say that it was a non-issue. I'd still think that the coaching... Not everybody is on the same page with, so I don't think... Ha- Wait, Quinville's name came up during their press conference? They came up that it was someone that they would consider for the job. Oh. I mean, they'd still have to get permission to talk to him from Chicago. I mean, that's no big deal. Probably not. But... So... I don't really know. Um, man, what is there to say? I don't know, dude. I just what thought the whole think? thing was kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole thing's kind of strange because I don't think your GM was doing a bad job. I do hate your coach. We've talked about this countless times. So, yeah. I mean, that's really valiant of someone to stand up for the coach and not be a bitch or... Maybe there was something else going on. Like you said, like there, I've seen a bunch of things like on Twitter about the goalie situation and this and that. So, I mean, you're, you're right. It's like n- not really here nor there, but I feel like, like the timing of it and like the way that they're like pulling the trigger on this is kind of like, kind of weird it's kind of not too too classy either i feel like they yeah. they got rid of the gm everyone knows the coaching could be a problem or at least it looks like it is right but they keep your head coach and then they tell the 
everyone that the next GM will take care of anything else. And then they fire your assistant GM right. and your your assistant coaches today. And they're like, okay, so then – so, like, I'm just wondering, like, are, are they just, like, torturing your coach, like, Haxtell? Are they yeah. – what are they doing to this poor bastard? And then they mention, jo- like, jo- Joel Quinnenville's name in a in a press conference. It's like, so you, that's what you're going to do. You're just waiting to fire your coach until you, like – have a GM who could like pull the trigger on that. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely really weird because, like, I kind of get holding on to the coaches until today because we had a game yesterday. No one wants the assistant coaches, and if he fired every single coach before that, then who's fucking going to coach the game? I don't want Paul Holmgren down there. Oh well, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. But I don't I just see why that- it didn't happen today. Like, why fire Chris Pryor and um, Gord Murphy today? Like you said, after they said that the coaching staff was going to be handled by the next GM and assuming that the assistant GMs would be the same. Like, if he didn't want Chris Pryor as the assistant general manager, then the new guy could just get rid of him. Or if he did, I mean, Chris Pryor is definitely credited a lot with how the team has drafted over, like, the past decade since like 2007 so you know he has a lot of responsibility for you know acquiring like Gossis Bear and Provorov and all these guys that are now you know mainstays for for this team especially going forward into the future so I don't know if it was because although he wasn't necessarily like a Hextall product or whatever because he's been in the organization for way longer than Hextall has been part of management um, he was kind of like Ron Hextall's right hand man, and Gord Murphy was a hire by, although he was a former player for the Flyers as well. But Gord Murphy was a hire by Ron Hextall, so it kind of seems like they're trying to get everything with Ron Hextall out of the organization. But that's weird to me either way because we trusted Ron Hextall for over five years, and you know, now. It's finally come to fruition that you didn't agree with like what he wanted to do, and you know Ron Hextall wanted to stay true to what he thought was the good plan of not rushing anybody, um, you know, letting the prospects take their time and coming into the NHL when they were ready, and he wasn't going to back off of that. But apparently, upper management would have liked him to call or let Carter Hart start the season. Um, and or trade for a goalie and Ron Hexall didn't do that so I feel like that's not a good enough excuse either I feel like he, he must have either been fighting them forever or this was it just seems like it's almost something personal dude and I there's like always things that we're never going to know about but like I wondered at what level he was rebelling against these guys, is my thought. Because I feel like if you fire your GM, you have to have a... It's not like a coach where you're like, well, now we just make one of the assistants coach or we bring up the minor league coach and he'll deal with it until we can get Joe Quinnaville, whoever we want. You know what I mean? Right. Or Yeah. Yeah. So that that makes sense. When you fire your GM, I feel like you need a plan in place. Like, that's an important job. You can't just have an interim GM. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, unless you're, you know, going full-blown, like, tyrant, like, Holmgren or whoever is, like, just, like, pulling all the strings now. I feel like 
He must have honestly like said something to one of them. Or I, I'm just well, speculating. I'll never know this stuff. He Dave. Well, <laughs> it's really funny because it's so Ron Hexall, and I think I love him even more. I love Ron Hexall. Don't get me wrong. Like he wasn't perfect, and he definitely there was things that I felt like he could have done that would have made us better sooner. Um, but apparently, and I haven't seen this in a quote, but I've heard it enough around from people that I follow for everything that during, I guess, either whatever ended up being their final meeting or one of their final meetings between Ron Hextall, Paul Holmgren, and Dave Scott, who is like the owner, like, uh, well, he's Comcast or whatever. Uh, because <laughs> he is and the the face he's he's just got a Comcast emblem. Yeah. So because Ed, uh, like none of the Schneiders own any stock in the Flyers anymore since Ed Schneider passed away. So it's all owned by Comcast now. Um. Yeah, I guess Comcast needs a f- a face. Yeah. So Dave Scott is the owner, I guess, or whatever. And is he the owner of Comcast, or he's just like a liaison where they're like, you handle our hockey team, you are Mr. Comcast? I don't know that for sure. Uh, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> That's fine. You shouldn't have to. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway, Dave Scott is the guy now, apparently. And at some point in time, Ron Hextall told him that um, he's not a hockey guy and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Which is true. Okay. Dave ha- or Dave Scott is not a hockey guy. He's a business guy. And not that hockey isn't a business, but Dave Scott probably doesn't know anything about running a fucking hockey team. So No, and, and it he sounds probably, just like Ron he- something Ron Hextall would say, so Well good for him. I mean that might be what it was then, dude. And maybe that's why they took out his boys and your other flyers. Because here's the thing, if it was like a trickle down I get that. I used to kind of get like a little bit like, oh, I don't know if that's right. But if you hired me as a GM, right? And I came into what I perceived was like a shit show. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't give a shit what, at what, unless they were good and like I met with them and I liked them. But like when you hire someone as a GM, I feel like you're like giving them the reins to like make them successful. Like in any other business other than hockey, it'd be the same way. You like almost like clean house and you and you put your people that you want in there and you do the hiring process and you get it done what you envision. So I would get it if they if they fired homie and then they put in a new GM and he was like, I'm sorry, Dave and your buddies, all of you are fucking gone. Like, no offense. I know you've worked for the Flyers for 20 years. Right. assistant coach whose name i don't know Chris Pryor. <laughs> but like yeah but like we're like turning a corner like this is going to be a different thing now yeah i get that that's i fine. get that but at least that gm could have evaluated <laughs> their performance and their philosophy comparatively to his own and made that call yeah absolutely and at least it would have at least they would have had a plan yeah. you know what i mean so now what are they gonna do get interim assistant coach they're going to go assistant coach list until the new gm does the hiring or they're going to hire some other poor bastard and then they're going to get a new gm and then that guy's going to be like well i didn't want this guy either i wanted this other guy or i'm hiring i'm like going to interview and then like that's why i think it dude it almost seems like it was personal like maybe that dude from com mr comcast took that 
that a little bit too seriously that comment i mean yeah but i give i give ron his uh i give him props for like sticking up that's hard standing up for to like your boss and like being true and just being like no this is like the job you hired me to do i'm gonna do it whether you like it or not and if you don't like it like get rid of me like yeah i know it didn't go that far but that's that's respectable so that that's pretty cool but the fact you guys don't already have another gm makes it seem like this wasn't something that they've been planning for a while. It makes it seem like there's something where they're just like, just fucking get rid of this guy. Like, right. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, not that it hasn't been thought of, but I feel like they didn't exactly go into Monday morning expecting to fire Ron Hexall. Like, not saying that oh. they weren't thinking about firing him. I just don't know if they thought that it would be Monday. You know? So, but... Ron Hextall, while he was a good GM for us and everything, he was probably too conservative for his own good. Um, he never really did anything to improve the goalie situation at any time, other than draft Carter Hart. But in all reality, and Felix Sandstrom, and you know we have plenty of other minor goalie prospects or whatever. So he didn't do anything. Well, to be fair, he did also try. He's had, like, a lot of goalies fail him miserably. Well, that's true. And and I guess it's not that he never did anything. I mean, because Brian Elliott wasn't nothing. Brian Elliott also wasn't, you know, injured multiple yeah. times when we signed him or whatever. Um, we probably should have moved on from Michael Neuverth a long time ago because um, he was always injured, regardless of when the time was. Um so he didn't do anything. It's just when the problem, especially in the last couple of years, when the problem started to arise, he didn't do anything. Um, the two biggest issues going into this season were the penalty kill and the goaltending, and he decided to go into the season with Brian Elliott, 33-year-old goaltender that just had uh, core abdominal surgery. So that was probably not going to go great. Um, and then Michael Neuverth, who just had both his hips scoped over the off season, so his hips, yeah, because that's like oh, his Jesus issue. Christ. Yeah, is his hips are what probably are normally like the issue or whatever. So that happened. Um, so that's goal. That's goalie number one and number two. Um, goalie number three, Alex Lyon, was good in the AHL. Um, you know, they got to the conference finals in the AHL last year. Um, and Alex Lyon had some time in the A in the NHL and he wasn't bad. Um, so that was whatever. I'm not like he was going to, I, I had higher hopes for him. I thought that Alex Lyon might've been ready to, and I thought that he was just going to do it based on numbers that he was probably going to be the best goalie we had. So he was going to win the job. That didn't turn out to be right. But so that's goal struggling, right? Yeah. I mean, all of them have. But so that's goalie number three. He's okay. Probably a backup at best when we need him, but can't really hold the ship down for a long period of time. And then goalie number four, because I don't think that they were ever going to put Carter Hart in this situation. So goalie number four was Anthony Stolarz who all of last year played four games after missing 
majority of the season with an injury. So you had three injured goalies or goalies recovering from surgery and you thought that was okay to come in with in the beginning of the season. And then the penalty kill, you didn't it was one of the worst in the league last year and has been one of the worst, but you didn't do anything to try to improve that. You know, and I know um I wouldn't have mind having him. I know that, you know, especially like one of the Flyers podcasts I listen to, Broad Street Hockey Radio. Um, Bill Matz is a big fan of Michael Grabner. He was available this summer. He's a penalty kill guy. We could have got Michael Grabner. We didn't. So you didn't, but we signed JVR, but JVR wasn't going to kill any penalties. JVR is probably never going to kill any penalties. JVR doesn't even really play defense. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you didn't do anything to improve the penalty kill. And, you know, I kind of bought into the argument that maybe we'll get better addition by subtraction. You know, getting better by, you know, taking the bad players out and putting new younger players in. And that could work. And it hasn't failed, but it didn't help the penalty kill. Um, Yeah, and I mean, mean, you didn't subtract the worst player on the penalty kill. (laughs) Well... No, not at first, but we have now. He hasn't been playing as of late. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, Ron Hextall had his shortcomings. This season, you know, everybody said all offseason, you know, this is going to be, you know, the year to take the step forward. Well, you didn't do anything to help that except, you know, you signed JVR, which is cool. That's fine. I like that move. Um, It definitely gives us more depth. But, you know, you didn't fix any problem. You know, our problem last year was not, like, scoring, necessarily. It was being scored on. And we didn't make that better. Um, Yeah. And it was never really great during the tenure of Hextall anyway. Um, While I don't think that he expected Steve Mason to fall completely off the map, it happened. Um... And I don't think that he expected, you know, Michael Neuver to literally, like, sneeze and get hurt. But it happened. Um, And I don't think that he expected Brian Elliott not to last as long as he has. But it happened. And it's like, the thing that I've been thinking about for the past couple days since he got fired is that... I'm not saying that any of these guys would have worked any better than anything that's happened. But I've been digging a lot lately about Martin Jones and Cam Talbot, two goalies during Ron Hextall's tenure that were mightily available. And while maybe we didn't have as many assets as we do now, it wasn't a whole... Like, I'm looking at the Cam Talbot trade right now. And not that the Ra- I don't think that the Rangers were going to ever trade us Cam Talbot or whatever. But, so the Rangers traded Cam Talbot to Edmonton for a second round pick, a third round pick, and a seventh round pick. It's not that bad. It's not that much. In 2015, we had that. You know, that's not... No, for a starting goalie, I mean, that's... Yeah, for a potential starting goalie. Whatever. He, he panned out, though. 
Although he may from, not be the seventy game workhorse that they make him in Edmonton, he's not a bad goalie. Right. I always like Talbot. Yeah, and then looking at I was looking at the Martin Jones trade. Um the Bruins acquired Martin Jones, Colin Miller. This was part of like the triangle trade that happened. Like LA traded him to Boston, then Boston flipped him back to San Jose. Boston acquired Martin Jones, Colin Miller, and a first-round pick for Lucic. And at the time, the equivalent to Lucic probably would have been like Wayne Simmons, I guess. 2015, we probably weren't willing to trade Wayne Simmons. But I'm just to put it in terms of what the Flyers would have had to give up. So the Flyers would have had to give up Wayne Simmons, probably, to get him. But they got back a first, and we probably would have got more. And I wouldn't mind, well, is Colin Miller the good one? No, Kevin Miller's the better one. Either way, in 2015, we needed defensemen too, because that was the year that we got Provorov. Wait, Colin Miller? Yeah, the one in Vegas now. That's what I thought. Yeah, Yeah, Colin Miller's not bad. Yeah, he's not bad. I just They had two Millers, and I know they like Kevin Miller more than the (laughs) other one. Yeah. So, I don't think either of these guys were unacquirable by the Flyers, but they weren't. And like I said, it might have not ever worked out any better. It could have worked out worse. It could have fucking shit the bed and, you know, never worked. But it's not like there weren't options. And, you know, like we said, like Michael Grabner was available. You know, I'm sure plenty of other guys, like at one, or no, I guess Carl Hagelin's always been with Pittsburgh. Well, whoever he was with before that. Um Who cares? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, Shit, penalty who kill was guys. Carl Haglin with? I remember was it that Anaheim? trade. He's the Ducks, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like penalty kill guys have been available, and, you know, we haven't signed any of them. Goalies have been available, and we haven't traded for any of them. Although, you know, I mean, Cam Talbot's not having the greatest season now, and I don't think that they're going to trade him, but apparently he could potentially be available. I don't know. Who? Cam Talbot. Because they signed that guy from the KHO that's doing better than him. I don't think they do it. It might be a little late to go trade for Cam Talbot now, though. But, yeah. So, I don't know. There was definitely moves that Hextall could have made that he didn't. At the time, I didn't blame him him for it. Um, yeah, but there's 29 other teams or 30 other teams now. You're not always going to, just because someone is available. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you're going to get them. Right. Even if you, even if you try. And I wouldn't have given up Wayne Simmons for any sort of goalie, honestly. Yeah. Not then. Maybe. No, not then. Yeah. Maybe now, but you weren't, you weren't. No, I was speculating then. then. I was just saying, this is what's been available. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, there's also those guys were more the ones that were proven right. than the other ones that have gone recently. Right, because we also but could have acquired Scott Darling, and that didn't work. Yeah, or Grubauer just recently, which actually maybe not because that was in that was Washington. So that was Washington. Yeah, so that one's a little rough, but I mean, you'll never pry Keith from us. <laughs> no, <laughs> who knows if anyone even wants him. But fucking, I I feel you. There there was like 
I just I wanted to give him credit at least a little bit because Absolutely. he didn't solve the goalie situation and it's like been a shit show and I've made fun of you for years because of how much of a shit show it was. But to be fair, like at least he did what Carolina's done and like stab blankly in the dark and it just keeps missing. But like they try right. to replace their goaltender. It just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he picked up what Masaryk on the cheap yeah. who was good at one point. Who, who knew what a change of scenery would do? He got pickered off of waivers to try to do. These are just things like this the past two yeah, years. Yeah, he's done a like, lot of things he like on tried, the cheap yeah. and not cost assets to get goalies that had potential to work. Like, Mrazic had potential to work. Um, And honestly, like, if we weren't going to have to give up more picks to Detroit, I bet you that we would have kept Mrazic and got rid of Neuwirth. But because we would have had to give up more assets to re-sign him, they didn't. Yeah, he was making a lot of money. Forget that. Right, yeah. it's cause I remember it's, that compensation didn't Yeah, we couldn't have, work. like, RFA'd him because we would have had to qualify him for, like, 4.1 mil, and that was never going to happen. Yeah. So. You forget that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's not, I just wanted to, like, point out, like, there's been things that obviously could have happened that I don't blame Hextall for not doing, it's just things that were out there, although I do kind of blame, like, I would have liked to have Michael Grabner just for the penalty kill or whatever, that would have been a smart move, it's not like he signed You probably could have did it, too, and we don't I mean, know maybe that he not, but call. Grabner's been in the Abner, I mean, in the, in the area for a while. Michael yeah, Grabner, we don't know that so. he didn't call, so. Yeah, We don't exactly. know that he didn't try. I'm Yeah. No, I, I greatly appreciate everything that Ron Hextall has done from, you know, restocking the prospect pool to one of the greatest in the league um, to getting us out of, like, eternal cap hell, you know, to having some of the most cap space in the league for a team that like the Flyers that normally doesn't do that. Yeah, and dude, I'll... I don't know, maybe it's just the way the fans are and the media and stuff. But I saw something where it was like, you know, he let go of all these, like, players. There's a list of all the players he had, like, given up and what he had brought back in. And obviously what he brought in was, like, abysmal looking. Like, it wasn't good. But, like, I was like, yeah, but, like, he got two first-round picks for Shen. Like, don't forget shit like that. Like, he made a prospect that. Right. And people are forgetting that already. And, like, people are already calling, like, the JVR signing a failure. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's been, like, 11 games. <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. unfortunate that he got hurt in the second game of the season, but it hasn't been a failure. And if Wayne's – if, like, let's just say, like, this season goes to shit, we don't make the playoffs, and Wayne Simmons leaves or whatever, well, now it, where we don't have to look for another second liner or third liner, wherever, you know, Wayne Simmons is, we yeah, have JVR now. Or whatever. Yeah. Or so if Wayne Simmons decides not to stay, or if we decide to trade him, now we don't have to necessarily get back a Wayne Simmons replacement. You know. Yeah. We can let JVR play that minutes, and then if some one of the kids is ready to play in the NHL, then he gets to play in the NHL. Well, what do you think they're gonna do though? Because I've also been hearing like rumors for trade. You guys gonna go try to get Bob or what? I, I don't know. The thing is. <laughs> Right now, let all right before we talk about trades or whatever, let's talk about who is potentially going to be the GM. 
Oh, yeah, that's important, but I didn't know you even had that handy. You guys got a front runner? There's a front runner that's actually in your organization right now that we got permission to talk to today. Chuck Fletcher. Really? Is oh. an advisor to Ray Shiro right now. Oh, is he a rookie GM, though? No, he used to be... Chuck Fletcher used to be the GM of Minnesota. And obviously, Minnesota has been a solid team for a while under Chuck Fletcher because I think they just fired him last year. Oh, was he the one who brought in Suter and Parisi? Yes. And Is that, that guy? That scares uh-huh. me. Yeah, that's his little sketchy. It does. Um, and the fact that Minnesota, while they were a solid team for a long time, that's all they ever were. Yeah. They were only ever a solid team, which is fine. Like, playoff success means something, but it also doesn't mean anything when you never win. Yeah. So, I think Chuck Chuck Fletcher is supposedly the front runner. Um, if they just got permission to talk to him today, then... Ooh, do you guys get... Do we get picks for that? <laughs> I don't Probably know. Not. I, I Probably not. I have no idea. It ain't worth shit. Um... And then there's Chuck Fletcher, there's Mark Hunter, who was in Toronto until it was between him and Dubas to get the GM job after Lou left, or a step down, or whatever he did there. Um, And once Dubas got the job, Mark Hunter went back to the OHL and is the GM of the London Knights. Um, He's a probably the most interesting and maybe favorable favorable one for like new age hockey like him and dubis are kind of like the poster boys for what probably gms will be in the future or whatever like someone who knows about like advanced stats and you know isn't a guy well isn't a guy like taking a step from like what lou is like an old school hockey guy to what the new school hockey guy is going to be um, there's also, who's the other fuck? Uh, Bill Zito, who I think is in Columbus as an assistant GM. And, oh, what the hell is his name? There's another one. Is it, I want to say it's like Sean Greeley or something like that. He's like an assistant GM in Buffalo, which is another one that seems like highly regarded by most people around the hockey world. So... Yo, is that is that all the names that you got? The last I saw yesterday, there was like four. I don't know if they were like the speculated finalists or I think it was like there's a guy who, what's his name? Frank Cervelli, who is normally connected to the Flyers or whatever as a writer. Um, I don't remember who he writes for. It's like, I want to say it's TSN or something like that. He writes for someone like big or whatever, but he's very much connected with the Flyers. So he normally has like sources, like he broke the JVR trade or the JVR signing and stuff like that. And those were like the four names that he put out were down. And then today it seems like Chuck Fletcher is the early front runner. I don't know whether or not he's interested. He, I think him... That Greeley guy and maybe Bill Zito. I think they all interviewed for Carolina's GM job in the summer. 
Dude, can I just say that that GM job would be the fucking dream for some GM trying to revitalize their career? It would be yeah. so hard to fuck it up. As much as you want to talk shit about what, what Ron Hextall did or didn't do the past couple of years and how he may have fucked you guys up. That is, like, not a situation, the one that you guys are in right now, that a GM usually gets to walk into. Like, Absolutely. usually when the GM's gone, it's, it's like when we hired Shero. It's right. like, it's like when you we have hired, no prospects. it's when we hired yeah. <laughs> Hextall. Like, Paul Holmgren left Capel, no prospects, and barely any roster talent. Yeah, exactly. This is like, a you dream. have one of the best prospect pools in the league. I could go in there and not fuck this up. Yeah. All he has to do is get a goalie, and if Carter Hart pans out, he doesn't even need to do that. Right. It's like the dream job. It's like all you have to do is pick, push the buttons on draft day and act like you've been there for like 10 years already, and this is all you're doing. Yeah. Which is <laughs> I why, envy that fuck. Yeah. I want the job. <laughs> Which is why, like, I'm not I'm, – I don't want – I don't the thing is the thing I'm afraid of is how much say now that you know Holmgren and Dave Scott have intervened in Hexall's thing how much say now are they going to have in the future are they going to turn over the reins to Chuck Fletcher if he gets a job or are they going to let Chuck Fletcher do his thing cuz I don't I don't need I don't need Paul Holmgren as like co-GM anymore I didn't want him as full-time GM yeah. So I don't need him making the calls. So if they're going to let the GM do his job, then I'm not afraid of anybody coming in unless it's like Garth Snow or something like that. I don't want that, <laughs> obviously. But, you know, Chuck Fletcher, like I said, he made Minnesota a solid team. He has more than enough assets to acquire what this team needs um, or let it grow I think the only thing that he probably has to acquire or say at least say that he's going to do is get a goalie. I think that he needs to find another stopgap until Carter. Because just to be realistic, Carter Hart could be ready next year or Carter Hart could be ready in two years or three years or whatever. And Felix Sandstrom could be ready next year or he could be ready in three years. So it's like you have to... And the, th- the other thing is, is like, does Car- if Carter Hart's ready, is he a starter or is he a backup? So it's like if you have a goalie for the next three years that can share the time with Carter Hart or whoever as, you know, Carter Hart can start as the backup or, you know, a 1A, 1B or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you kind of... You just need someone who is going to be healthy. Is basically a solid goalie that is going to be healthy because more often than not, like when our goalies play well, we win games. Which obviously is a thing, but you know, it's when our goalies don't play well is when we get like killed like six nothing to Toronto or you know, stuff like that. But then we also get goal, good goaltending, and then we shut the Rangers out. Not that the yeah. Rangers are an inherently great team or whatever, but they were on a nine-game <laughs> winning streak or whatever at the time. So it's not like, you know, they were cold or whatever. They were on a hot streak, and we shut them out. 
So it's like we got good cold tending that game, and we won convincingly, and we played a good game. But, you know, Calvin Pickard lets in, or was that Pickard? Yeah, Calvin Pickard lets in, like, four goals in 12 minutes in the first period, and, you know, the game's fucked from there, or whatever. So if we could get league average goaltending consistently from a healthy goaltender, we'd be fine. Yeah, but you guys need another coach. <laughs> oh, I think that's going to happen either way. Oh, no, I I mean, I think any GM would fire that dude. Yeah, I think that's going to happen either way. Um, what I would like to happen is if it was me and my dream would be to clean house of the entire coaching staff, get Quenville. I don't care who the GM is. It can be Chuck Fletcher. It can be any of those guys as long as it's not Garth Snow, as long as it's not a former flyer, which I don't think it's going to be because they already said it's probably not going to be someone from within the organization. Um, Chris Pronger's name was out there because he's like working for Florida or whatever. Um, but I think he just he just got that job or whatever. So I don't want Chris Pronger. I don't think that they're interested in Chris Pronger. I think they're interested in someone from outside the organization. Um, I don't care who the GM is, really. I would like to hire Quenville and let him assemble his team of whoever he needs. Whoever he needs or whoever the GM wants as assistant coaches, whoever's going to be successful, for Christ's sake. Like, give me a real penalty kill coach. That's not Ian Lapierre. Yeah. Give me give me someone who will give me back my good power play and someone who will give me average penalty kill, and I will be happy with that because the Flyers will win games with that. Got to steal out of Motsui from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'd like to just clean house get good people in here and then because this season one is not over like if we restart the season right now and have a good season from here to the end of the season then we're probably in the playoffs because the metro shit so we can still make a fucking playoff spot given where we are right now i love your optimism that's i'm not optimistic i'm not saying that's gonna happen i'm saying that's possible if everything goes right and they do this the right way because they need to do this the right way. There is no key because the thing is, is the thing that I'm most afraid of is that this GM, whoever it is, is going to keep the coaches and then let's say they let him go the rest of the year or whatever. And then we suck and they fire him anyway. And then we just wasted the season to where yeah. if we clean house now and the other thing is you don't know if joel quenville is even interested maybe he wants to wait until the end of the season to see all the avenues that are open to him because you know teams might fire their coaches at the end of the year and you know that way everything's open to him you don't know that he wants to sign right now anyway so you know you don't know that you can get quenville right now but at the same time, what's the point of keeping Haxtell when it's not really working? 
and you just have the option to start over. Yeah. I don't I don't really think that that's going to I don't think like oh yes, you know, season starts on Saturday in Pittsburgh or whatever. I don't think that's really going to happen. It could and I'd love that to happen. I don't really think it's going to happen. I'm not really optimistic about this season. Um No, but you still have hope. I see I me, my hope. team at the bottom of the league with you and I'm like well, I do too. I'm like, we could do it, but it's like nothing, nothing anywhere. I don't even want to talk about my team. I just mean you. Literally, the Metro is so bad and so flaky that I don't. I was looking at it and I was like, this is so awful for like the odds of, of us at the bottom. And even you guys, like, because you're right behind us. Like, I think we, what? We have like a game in hand on you. Yeah, I think we're tied in like points, that. and but you have a game in yeah. hand. Yeah. So. So it's like looking into it, but it's just like, dude, of all these teams that are ahead of us in the Metro, all you need to do is have like a better season than them. Like we're like, what? It's like six point or five points from a wild card spot and five points from first in the Metro. It's like not a big deal, actually, but it is sketchy. It's super sketchy. Um, But no, dude. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I just thought that was a real interesting um way that they've gone about doing this i wonder what they're keeping your coach around for like if it's just because like they need somebody to like be like alive and breathing behind the bench to like make the line changes yeah i mean (laughs) and that's what i'm hoping is the case is that that's the only reason why they're holding on um yeah that poor bastard needs to update his resume for sure yeah i mean yeah i don't know um, I have a funny feeling. I almost wanted to push this back and do this tomorrow because I just have a funny feeling that they're going to announce someone tomorrow um, and a bunch of shit's going to go down. But meanwhile, we did this today. And so, but, oh, well. They'll listen next week if yeah. the few fans we have, I hope. They're probably getting bored of all this Flyers talk, though. What the fuck else happened this week? <laughs> um, oh, we could talk about them more coach firings. More other firings, other news firings. Yeah, I mean... Like how the Oilers thought firing their coach was going to help and not their god-awful GM. If anyone needed to fire their GM, it yeah, was, it the, was Oilers. the Oilers. <laughs> I wonder if that fucking bastard is, like, sweating now because it's like, oh, shit, the Flyers just fired Ron Hextall? What if, they, what if the Oilers realized that they could fire me? <laughs> that dude don't care. Someone else will hire him for some reason. I can't believe that guy. Yeah, it's really a shame that Todd McClellan got fired because um, he's really not a bad coach. He Like, I te- I texted you the day he got fired or whatever, and I was like, yeah, Todd McClellan's really, it's unfortunate because he's not a bad coach. He's just only ever had, like, three good players. Yeah, and he has to work with that, and then, and then he gets a good player, and they trade him away for something else. Oh, my God, the fucking, we never got to talk about, like, the Ryan Strom trade either. And not oh, that, that I, was a while ago too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to like cover that. I mean, I don't think that Ryan Spooner is a bad player, but if you look at it from the Oilers' perspective, you sh- traded straight up Ryan Spooner for Jordan Eberle. Yeah, that's and that's not good. That's no bueno. Bananas. That's no bueno, dude. Dude, I can't believe. I don't know if we've talked about. It. I'm sure we've breezed by it, but this is like a commonplace talk between me and Joey. Chiarelli's the worst GM that I think has ever existed, ever, period. 
That's po- I don't maybe <laughs> it's definitely possible. At least at least who has lasted that long in a GM That's position. That's probably true. That has to be true for a person who's had the job for that long. He has to be the worst. I I hate him. I mean I love him because he gave me Taylor Hall. So I don't. I actually don't hate him. Like I yeah. I actually hope he keeps his job. I just don't know what the Oilers like think in like keeping that dude. And then they had the nerve to fire their coach. When you're right, they have. They give him like a couple of talented players and then are just like, well, now we're just going to you need to figure it out, which, yeah, coach, fair enough. You need to like get the most out of your players. But, yeah, then they trade. They trade Eberle. They only get Strom back. He never gets any good performances out of Strom. Then they trade Strom for Ryan Spooner. And it's it's just shit like that. I mean, they took yeah. Taylor Hall from him and gave him Adam Larson, which their defense needed Adam Larson. But. Not at the expense of Taylor Hall. Yeah, probably and th- yeah. at the expense of Jordan Eberle. But yeah. <laughs> at the time, at least. You remember when that happened, right? And I yeah, thought it was that, fucking like. bullshit. Yeah, it was bullshit. And, like, I appreciate it. And I don't want to talk about it too long because it was three years ago now. And again, I love Taylor Hall. I'm yeah. not. I'm just saying, I feel like that was, like, the joke. Like, we called them for, like, Ryan. Um, I mean, for like Jordan Everly, and they were like, "Oh, we'll give you Taylor Hall for Adam Larson." It was like, "Are you no trade backsies? Like, yeah, let's shake on it right now." Like, <laughs> cool. He's we already bought his plane ticket. Like, yeah. <laughs> when do we pick up Taylor at the airport? Like, <laughs> I don't know what that dude thinks. Trading away some of the players that he has and getting nothing back, and I don't know, dude. I just feel like that dude can't get fired. He just like knows something about someone or something i don't know who would trust that man with a team i don't know how that's a thing still it's really like preposterous like no one in edmonton is saying anything like you know maybe we should just get rid of this guy or what i don't know is that not a commonplace discussion because if i was an oilers fan i would that would be the only thing i ever talk about it seems like the most commonplace discussion because it feels like everybody's talking about it but Edmonton. <laughs> like all Edmonton's fans are talking about it. It just seems like the team is the only one not talking about it. Yeah, like the, the elephant in the room. It's like I find it hard to believe that you couldn't find a better GM than Peter Shirelli just Even on- at that time. Yeah, forget yeah, everything at, he's done since he got time, to Edmonton. Well, yeah, yeah, even at the time that you couldn't do that. But even now, you have the best player in the league on your team, and you're telling me that no one better than Peter Shirelli is calling about that job? <laughs> do you think people are, like, pre-calling about their job? Like, just by the way, I, like, mailed in my resume for when you inevitably fire that fucker. Yeah. Like, you think people gun for that dude's job? I would. I That's would. like a ballsy move. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, I'll I'll work for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say yes, to be honest, but I don't know. It's like now, well, I don't know. Maybe fucking Edmonton should hire Ron Hextall. He'll build players up. He'll get Connor McDavid real fucking players to play with. No shit. They have That's a goalie. That's an interesting argument. They have goalie. They have, they have pieces in place 
Although I don't know how long they want to wait or whatever. But yeah, but I mean, who time. says he has to do a full blown rebuild for their team? No, he they doesn't. don't need it. He just needs to not fuck it up. Like yeah, the I same thing Chirelli has to do. It's well, just yeah. not fuck it up, but he yeah. does. <laughs> Especially because I mean, now like Edmonton has fucking Evan Bouchard, who's their defensive prospect. Um, do they have a good D squad now? It looks like they yeah. still don't have like that ace, but it but looks it could better be than Evan it Bouchard. has. It could be, yeah, but he's at least young enough. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know what's fucking wrong with Edmonton and why they don't realize what they're doing and that they're wasting Connor McDavid's years away by fucking keeping that clown. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't believe he had the job. Like I said, I hope they keep him forever, actually, because that'd be great when he trades, like, Dreisaitl next, and it's like, oh, <laughs> some dumb friggin' thing. He trades Adam Larson to somebody else for, like, fucking David Schlemko or something, and then it's like, okay, so you traded Taylor Hall for David Schlemko. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something like that. I'd love it, but... If I was their owner, I would have fired him decades ago. I would have been like, dude. And especially think of all the GMs too, since he's made that Taylor Hall trade and since he's even started that job and started ruining everything that have been on the market that he they could have fired and replaced him with. Yeah. Countless. I mean, yeah, countless. there's been I mean, any yeah. of the four that I named that are up for the fucking Flyers job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I do like their coaching switch, though. Not that, again, I never probably like McClellan, but I like Ken Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, he's always brought something, a definite change everywhere he's gone. I mean, it didn't inherently work out in Dallas the last time. Um, but, you know, he was with St. Louis for a long time. He was with the Flyers for a long time. Um, it didn't work in Dallas the second was he went back to Dallas right like last year he was with Dallas well the thing is he was with Dallas in 99 when they won the cup oh well he definitely yeah well and I'm pretty sure he just I don't know, it gets back. a little shaky I forget when he was in St. Louis and Dallas like the most recently like what came first I don't know why my brain just doesn't work but I know Ken Hitchcock because of what he did for both those teams. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and I, and I mean I before mean to that, say, um, I meant to say Columbus for a long time, not St. Louis. Or wait, no, he did coach St. Louis. Okay, yeah, he was with both of them for a long time, for a couple years or a while, or whatever. Yeah, he went back to Dallas in 2017 for the rest of that season. And then he just came back to Edmonton. Yeah. He was with yeah. Dallas originally. Um, and got hired as their head coach in the 98-99 season or whatever. And then um, he had, and then he won the cup in 99. Or... Yeah, he won the cup. He got hired in 96 by Dallas. Won the cup in 99. Then he came to the Flyers in... What year was that? Uh, 2000, 2001 
or maybe 2002. And then he was with the Flyers for a couple years, and then he went to Columbus in 2006, and then he went to St. Louis in 2012, and then he went to Dallas in 2017. And now I'm back to Edmonton, or back in the league with Edmonton. So, I mean, he's a good, I think he's a good coach. Um, you know, he's been around for a long time. I don't know if he's the long-term solution in Edmonton. You know, it could be something like maybe he tries to get them on track for this year and then he goes back into retirement again or what, but I like him. I think it's a good idea he's another one of those coaches that you know at least tries to get everything out of his team and his players so yeah it just seems like he he, he's good at he makes he makes his players look into more than one aspect of the game yeah but and i don't really care about the mike yo trade so we're not going to talk about that but oh yeah no yeah Fuck that just is what it is. Uh, in before, fucking, we hire Chuck Fletcher as the GM, and then we hire Mike Yo as the coach because they were together in Minnesota. So, oh Jesus, no, don't do that. I hope fucking not. I'd rather no, have Haxtell to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that. But um, poor Mike Yo. <laughs> yeah. But um. So Chicago and Arizona continue their trade thing that they seem to be doing. And Yo, before before we even get started on that, like it's about that, but before we go into like our analysis, someone like posted some like some like shit on Facebook today, and it was like, "Yo, man, aren't like what is Sharrow sleeping? Like Nick Schmoltz is like a good player. Why don't we go after him?" And it was just like. I looked at you didn't it and I was like, "Dylan Strom to trade him." Yeah, that, first off, yes, that's a solid point. Second off, like just because like two teams make a trade doesn't mean that like they were gonna make that trade with anybody else. Like if anyone hasn't noticed, like Arizona and Chicago, like it's not NHL nineteen. Like like people have like working relationships with people. Like that that trade definitely only went through because it was Arizona. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they like each other. I don't know if, like, the one, like, Bowman always thinks that he's, like, hustling the new guy, and then it's not working out recently, so that's not true. I, I don't know what it is, but they've been trading. They've, they've, they've been trading a lot, I feel like. Yeah. Um, Like, it might have been just a casual phone call. Like, what do we do with Strom? I don't know, this is what we'll give you for it. You know what I mean? Right. There may not even have been names on the on the table. They might have just been like, what What the fuck do we do? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm mostly... All right, so the trade was Dylan Strom and Brendan Pierlini for Nick Schmaltz. So Schmaltz goes to Arizona, Pierlini and Strom go to Chicago. Um, I'm really surprised that Chicago parted ways with Nick Schmaltz very early because I want to say Nick Schmaltz is only like 21 years old um he had I want to say 50 points last year I think it was 51 yeah yeah yeah, 50 50 points yeah I knew it was something (laughs) like that 
Um, he had 50 points last year. 52. 52 points last year. Was last year's rookie year or no? No, the year before that. He had 28 points in his rookie year. Okay. Then up to 52. Uh, well, he's 22 now, I guess. So he's 22 years old. And granted, he's gotten off to a slower start. He has 11 points in 23 games at the time with Chicago. Um, but, I mean, he... I don't know. I I think it was premature for them, to be honest. I mean, not that Strom... Strom, I think, has... If he ends up turning out to be the player that he was supposed to be, he has the higher ceiling than Schmaltz. I think Schmaltz was going to be a good player. How good, I don't really know. Um, I like Nick Schmaltz. I When we did like the preview, or no, when we did the fantasy uh, podcast about players to watch, I mentioned Nick Schmaltz because he plays on that top power play. Well, he did. He played on the top power play with Kane, Taves, Keith, all those guys. Um, so he was given every opportunity. And, you know, he was playing in their top six. And Dylan Strome was kind of getting the short end of the stick in Arizona because he was playing on, like, the fourth line, and that's not where a player like Dylan Strome. Um, and Pirellini is a pretty underrated player. He had quietly 17 goals and 30 points last year. Yeah, that's where I think the trade could go south because I think immediately it makes Arizona better. Chicago, it's yet to be seen. But I get what their mindset was. It does give them better depth, and think about it. Only one of those guys has to really turn out to their potential for it to look even. So, like, even if Strom turns out to be a bust, which I don't think he will, like, like they're going to get Nick Schmoltz's points from the two of them, definitely. And if one of them, like, even if Perlini just becomes, like, a 30-goal scorer, it, like, makes sense. Like, it, but I think that, I think they gave, like, the, the Blackhawks two chances at that one right. to like make it an even trade. So I think that it could work out for them. And uh, and I do think that they kind of shorted Dylan Strome because everyone could talk about his numbers. Oh, he's so bit. But you're right. They gave him like fourth line minutes. Right. And like it's not like an incredibly deep team that he's like playing for. And you know how it is. Like, Arizona's got this curse with their younger players. Like, it just always seems like it's never going to work out there. So, I don't know. I think some of it is on Dylan Strom. I don't want to blame the Coyotes completely. But I won't be the least bit surprised if they put him next to, like, Kane or, like, on the other side. Or they put him with, um... Well, Debrink They put him with Taze. Debrink is his boy. I was about to say that. That's also his, like, his junior friend. Yeah. So if they if they set up a line, they're going to set up a line with some form of of him being like next to like an all star, and I wouldn't be surprised if he like takes that and runs with it, and then yeah. like he grows into that game changer like in a couple of years after, I don't want to say being sheltered, but like getting the minutes next to the people who have to do the heavy lifting now. Right. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I always liked Dylan Strom. Yeah. And I I do, I like the trade because I feel like it could work in both ways. The thing that's weird to me is, like, it seems like, it just seems like Chicago is acquiring back all the depth that they traded 
just in different players or whatever. So it's like you traded him Henestrosa, who they really like now or whatever, and then you know you get Pirellini back for him from him or whatever. But it's like, well, why'd you trade Henestrosa? Or you know whatever I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Chicago's weird in that I don't really know what they're doing. Um, but dude, I think it makes sense though. I feel like that's what they've always done. They've been like, how do we balance this lineup? Because yeah. we all know that they have their superstars, and I don't want to say they were top heavy because that's not exactly true. But they. They would, like, get depth, but it was all about what pieces they could put in this form of the puzzle to make that magic, like, cup winner. And, like, the past, like, ten tries have all been like, nope, that one didn't work. Like, no, that one didn't work. Like, no, that one didn't work. Then they made some straight-up bad trades recently. Just awful ones. Yeah. Um, We talked about it, like, on one of these podcasts, like, Jonathan and only getting back sod for Panarin and, like, stuff like that. Yeah. So now I think that they're just, like, going to play with it until they are, like, ding, 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 like, this kid's going to score 80 points with Patrick Kane. Like, you know what I mean? Right, and I feel like that def- this trade definitely has that potential to be that. Like, now they're back in, like, they finally found that trade that they've been looking for where they can trade away someone like Nick Schmaltz knowing that you know, they're going to get Pirellini to be a 50-point guy, and they're going to get Dylan Strom to be a 60-point guy or whatever, and then Schmaltz will still only be, like, a 60-point guy or whatever. That's what I mean, and that's why I said that they had two shots because, like, even if if Nick Schmaltz turns out to be a 60-point guy and Pirellini turns out to be a 50-point guy and Dylan Strom, God forbid, is, like, a 40-point guy, you're still, like, almost like that's way more production like you know what i mean and and it's two positions that you're filling on players who you know i also don't think that they have to pay them as soon as they did schmaltz don't quote me on that. maybe i don't know but that's another thing you know what i mean i mean end of the end of the day chicago needs to fix that that goddamn defense eventually um but right I think that that's what they're doing. They're just looking to see who's the magic fit on that top line or on the second line. Like, who's going to be the one who gets to benefit from playing with their their core guys? Right. Yeah, no, I at least for right now, I like both. I like it for both teams or whatever. I do think that one of these teams is going to win eventually. It's not going to be one of those trades where, like, oh, yeah, it works for both teams. And it might work for both teams. But someone's going to win or whatever. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's not going to work for both teams. Yeah, and I that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I think it's going to work for in both some teams, capacity. But there will be a winner, yeah. Yeah, it could go like, yeah, maybe Strom and Pirellini end up only ever being third liners. And then, you know, maybe Schmaltz is like the center that Arizona's always needed or whatever. They win. Or maybe... Uh, fuck! I forgot his name already. Schmaltz ends up being like their second line center, and they still never find that true number one or whatever. And then, like we said, like Strom turns into a sixty-point guy, and Pirellini turns into a fifty-point guy or thirty-goal guy or twenty-five goal guy, and then they win or whatever. Yeah. I feel like it's gonna work something like that. It might work because 
you know, you always need good second line centers and you always need guys who can put up points, but someone is inherently going to win. No, that's what I mean, though. I think that there's going to be a winner, but I'm not sure that there's going to be a loser. Yeah. Like if if it's going to be loser in value eventually. In value. yeah. Yeah. Like like you could look back and say to Arizona, like, oh, well, you gave up two guys. And one of them panned out and is just as good as Nick Schmaltz. And now they have the other guys a consolation. So, like, you lose. But, like, right. I don't think it's going to be like, well, one team got a fourth liner and they're buried on the fourth line. Yeah. Like, forever. I think Nick Schmaltz is good. I think that he'll probably be, like, their second line center. Mm-hmm. He could be, at least. You know, he'll put up yeah. his points. And I think that either Strom or Perlini is going to end up putting up a substantial, like, something equal in value. So I, I just don't... So even if, even if like, one of those players is only equal Schmaltz, they still have the other one. Who cares? Like, right. So then Chicago would win. But I, I don't think it's going to be, like... I mean, unless... In, unless Perlini turns into, like, a 30-goal scorer and Dylan Strom turns into, like, a 60-70 point guy, then they look like they're fucking assholes in Arizona. But that's the only way... Right. But it still may not be a loss. I still think that they're still going to have a productive player, like, immediately. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. So, I don't know. It was an interesting trade. You saw Strom scored already in Chicago, right? Yeah, he had a goal and an assist in that first game. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and that goal was assisted by fucking Alex DeBrinkett, So, Dude, I... I hate it. Maybe it's my brain being biased, but like I never trust when players are being are like either playing very good in Arizona or playing very very bad bad in Arizona. If they're playing very bad, it's like, well, they don't have the talent or something that is not working right. And then they can go somewhere else and have potential. If they're doing very good. It's like, well, there's no one else to be doing very good. So you end up overpaying for some guy from Arizona. It's so... My brain immediately goes to that. So, like, I immediately was like, oh, well, Dylan Strom's going to be good now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I hated on him. I mean, it's not Arizona's fault completely. He has to be better. He was picked third overall. But now it's like, that's the dream where you, like, went to Arizona. They didn't give you enough playing time. You're upset. Then they trade you to the Blackhawks. That's like, ding, 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 ding. Like, he was probably so happy. Like, yeah. Fuck and it. on top of that, you get to play with, like, your best friend. Or whatever. Your best friend and your buddy from the team you're on now is coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, this is what I like. This scenario with like the Brinkett and uh, Strom or whatever is what I always felt like Colorado should try to do with McKinnon and Druin. I still feel like that'll work to this day. I still feel like, I, I mean, McKinnon's obviously like a good player. So, you know, and Druin is not bad. He's not a bad player. He's not what Montreal needs. But he's not a bad player, so it probably would work just in that. But I feel like those boys would go off if they got to play together again. Because <laughs> oh my god, was that like I? Because I see, watched some of that. Because I was I was really into Nathan McKinnon in his draft year or whatever. So I like watched highlights, and it was just <coughs> like watching those boys play together was was good hockey. So I always yeah. felt like they should try to get Jonathan Drew in just for that combination. Not that they need it. I mean. Brantonen and Landeskog do just fine next to fucking McKinnon. So, how about Brantonen? Yeah. Fucking forty points already on the season. I know, dude, crushing it. Yeah. I'm happy for him, dude. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. I like Mike or uh, 
I like ranting in a lot. Um, you want to know what I always wanted to try to do on that subject? It wouldn't be as sick as Drew and like McKinnon. Absolutely not. Um, it may not even work out. None of them actually may be NHLers at all. But I know that we had with our like picks that one year, I think it was 2016, we picked McLeod and we picked Nathan Bastion, who were on the in the second round, who were on the same line, and like the third guy to like fill that that out. And they crushed it in juniors, to be fair. Yeah. There was a good line. But um was what Nylander's little brother? Oh, and Alex he went Nylander. like he went like far up in yeah. that same draft to like Buffalo. Um all right, and now he sucks, so maybe we should try. It's worth a try because now he's not doing good. He's never gonna yeah. make that team. So maybe we should like trade, try to trade some bullshit for him and see if they could like become BFFs again. But again, all three of them may never play in the. I'm I've never been convinced about Bastion and McLeod is just like a. He's he's got the devil's first round pick curse. Or it's just like oh yeah. <laughs> you might play a couple games. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean. Because, I mean, I figure we're probably going to end off here in a minute. Um, yeah. But fucking how about Buffalo, man? Holy fuck. I think fucking we may be, crushing it, dude. They're crushing it. Oh, my God. that Like, they're winning that Skinner trade by, like, so fucking much right now. I know. We should have kept our dirty mouth shut when he was being slow in the beginning of the year. I knew he was good. I knew he yeah. was good. I knew he would work out there. Yeah. And I know we didn't call it or whatever, but I think we maybe gave them, like, a team that is maybe going to get better this year or whatever. But, oh, my God, they're fucking, like, that's a fucking team right now or whatever. Like, Eichel is fucking doing his thing. Skinner, that's, like, a fucking dynamic duo if I've ever seen one. Um, Dude, I think, to be fair, we said that they would probably make the playoffs if everything went right, and nothing ever seems to always go right for Buffalo. So to be fair, I think that we did say if Eichel stays healthy and bees the man that he's supposed to be, they're fucking golden. And I never predicted them to be, like, first and, like, rocking and rolling 10 10 wins in a row. Is that what they're up to? Or did they finally No, they won. They won in overtime last night. No, yeah, so 10 games, that's yep, that's 10, insane. 10 that's row. Yeah, how about that? I I bet on Buffalo last night, too, and the odds were against them, and they were on a nine-game winning streak. I'm like, okay, money. And then, for some reason, I just knew Colorado was going to beat Nashville, so I'm like, parlay, going with Colorado. And then I was like, yo, I'm going to make this bet even more money. I'm going to go with an easy one to match these two long shots, and I picked Tampa Bay. Tell me Did how. Yes, three to one to the Ducks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, dude, so I picked the two long shots. They made it, and then my sure thing fell through. It's like, why do I even bother? It was like an eight. Like, I don't bet a lot of money. I shouldn't even name numbers because people are like, he's not even a good better. But it was gonna be like eight times what I bet, and I got yeah. the two hard ones. Perfect. And fucking Tampa Bay, such a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, not that. They're not up there in the standings or whatever, but I don't get the whole, like, how Tampa Bay... I mean, I guess they're 17-7-1. I personally have not been that impressed by Tampa Bay this year. Even when You want to know win. what I think it is, dude? They lose games that they should win. Yeah. And the next game, they're great. Like, after they yeah. lose to someone like the Ducks... Watch, I don't know who they play next. I know they play us this week, but... Hopefully they play someone first because the next game they'll win by like eight goals because they'll get pissed. 
but they they lose games that they never should lose. Like, there's no excuse for them losing to the Ducks. There isn't. Yeah. Oh, they play Buffalo tomorrow, so. Oh, that's dude. a game. That's like the game. I'm watching it. Yeah. I just decided that's going to be my game of the week. I'm going I'm to yeah. watch that. And I finally want to watch. I've tried to watch Buffalo games in the past. Just turn them on. I flip around. You know, I always have the whatever package gives me games. And I try to watch a little bit of things that aren't my team, like not just the highlights sometimes. Yeah. And I always hated watching Buffalo because even when it seemed like they were getting better, I was just like. I hate watching Tyler Ennis out there, and they're just not good. And, like, yeah. even even the games they win, it didn't feel exciting. But now, I really want to watch them play Tampa Bay tomorrow. I feel like this is yeah, going to be fun. Yeah, I'll watch that game for sure. <laughs> want to come over and watch hockey? <laughs> What's tomorrow? I don't Thursday? Know. We'll figure it out Maybe. off air, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyone who's listening to this, oh, never mind. You're, this is going to go up after that game's over. You should have watched yeah, the Buffalo probably. Tampa game. Yeah, you should have watched the Buffalo. And it was really good. I promise. Unless I watched it sucks, it. then then you shouldn't have. I don't know. <laughs> I think that'll <laughs> yeah. that should wrap it up Are this we week, right? Yeah. <clears throat> we're good. We're good. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week on Off the Bar. You can follow us on Twitter at Off the Barcast. Um, follow us on Instagram at Rob and Joey. Um, we're looking to complete our season series this year with the Flyers and the Devils, but that, what, that's in January, the next game? Yeah, man, January, then March. So, hopefully we'll have some picks to post in a, in a little bit. Something more interesting. Worth it, I'm, I'm cooking some stuff up that I'd like to get some, some more content on Instagram and Twitter both. So, you know, be on the lookout for more. This will be up on Saturday, Friday, I don't know, it's early. And we had a good show, so you know maybe we'll have a little early ep this week. So, um, you can follow me on Twitter at fuck you Raph, and I think that's gonna do it for this week. We, we did we miss anything? Not yeah, worth I, noting. Oh, yeah. by the next time you listen to an episode, the Nylander saga will be over. Oh so, yeah, it may even be over by the time that you're listening to this because if it goes up on Saturday, that's it. So yeah, we don't Saturday need to talk about that, but we'll have something next week. <laughs> yeah, Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern is the deadline for Nylander to sign, or he's ineligible for the rest of the season. So, and today is November 28th. So that's yeah, so when... either something big will happen, or me and Joey will waste the first third of the show talking about how stupid both of them are for having such a good player not be playing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's gonna do it for us this week. Um, as always, I'm Joey, and I'm Rob, and we will see you guys next week.